0: So on today's Dulcimer Geek podcast, we we did a pretty good job, I think, better than we usually do, which means it's usually not a good job of blending mountain dulcimer and hammer dulcimer.
1: Right? Yeah, I just spent a week uh, at John C. Campbell doing both and trying to play hammer dulcimer and noticed some differences. And a special guest. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Dan, and hey, David Beatty. Hey, guys.
2: I'm the new guy here. What What the heck do you guys do?
1: How? <laughs> wow. We we There's these microphones here, and we just, every once in a while, decide we should talk into them.
0: Oh, and I get yeah. to talk into them with you?
1: Yeah. That's, that's the idea. great.
0: They're, they're sort of compelling, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> it makes you think like you might actually have something to say, but yeah. you probably don't. No, no. <laughs> I only dream of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so David Beatty is passing through Signal Mountain, and... uh that You have uh, a connection to how I know Aaron, actually. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. we I met Aaron for the first time hitchhiking for a ride. Not really hitchhiking, but I was at a McDonald's. Am I t- is this right? Oh, yeah. At a McDonald's uh, at White Sands. White Springs. White Springs. White, different place. <laughs> <laughs> One's a naval base or something, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, White Springs. and uh, Yeah,
1: the White Springs Dulcimer Retreat. Yeah, which we're yeah.
0: both doing. Right, yeah, coming up. Doing. This What's the November that, 10th way? and
2: 11th, I believe, Friday and Saturday. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and, and if you're listening to us, it's going to bounce around as much as it has in the last 15 seconds, pretty much for yeah. this entire conversation. <laughs> um,
1: but and, David, David, you're the organizer for the. West I am
0: Brings, more
2: or less
1: the coordinator. Yes, the
2: artistic director.
1: Yeah, the coordinator yes. between the Dulcimer players and the state park. Uh,
0: that's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's not. Isn't it called the Sawani? Yeah. It's not called the White Springs.
2: Well, it, White Springs is where it is and it's right. at Stephen Foster State Park and um we've floated around on the name but everybody tends yeah. to call it the you know Suwannee Dulcimer Retreat or something. Right. It, it you know, if we were more deliberate we would actually come up with a brand name and brand it but we haven't oh, quite yeah. done that.
1: I, I believe they've tried calling it uh the Stephen Foster Folk Culture Center and State Park Dulcimer <laughs> Retreat which is And it's so catchy. You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. I think the the uh, computer is still trying to figure out the acronym on that. Because <laughs> so, <right>. many <laughs> so many possibilities, so many. Anyway, it's so going to then- be
2: a great lineup, and we're glad to have you you guys. Uh, Bing is coming back Sweet. with us this year. Uh, let's see. Um, the other Hammer Dulcimer is Guy George. That's pretty cool. We've had some so, good yeah. good
0: fun with that combination before. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool.
2: And uh, Lauren Jones, she's she's right. on board. I'm so excited. Oh, she turned goodness. me turned it, me on to her.
0: She's she's such a. Have you seen her I, uh, only on her website, which was quite impressive she's she's an impressive performer yeah. so on a, just so sweet and southern and yeah. just uh-huh. surprising and she just lights up and owns the stage great I don't know if I'm coming now. No, no. She's hard to be before or after. Lorinda's right, right. fantastic.
1: But, but yeah. she's, she's really good because she, she also teaches a comfort and healing with the dulcimer class. Yeah. And she whenever does. you start to have some anxiety, she's really good about being like soothing you. You need to just <laughs> chill. <laughs>
2: she's probably going to all... do that as her master's class. Oh, People cool. go into convalescent yeah. centers, hospice set, settings, all kinds of things with their dulcimer and uh, do good. Yeah, yeah, you can imagine.
0: So it was at that festival, the Suwannee Festival, was the first time I ever tried to teach a, and, and I think it worked out, a mindfulness, a mindful practicing class. Mm. Do you recall any feedback? And it could be negative on that. Do you recall?
2: No, it's a blur to me, I'm afraid. Um, it's a few years I ago. I was
0: impressed that you were doing it. I remember that. <laughs> well, and we got a lot of positive yeah. yeah. And I, yeah I remember yeah. a lot of positive feedback oh. because, you know, I just drown out all the negative (laughs) but it's that i guess i'm you guys mentioning her you know doing that kind of class this is a kind of festival where i think the attitude is decidedly a little bit laid back Mm -hmm. i mean it's yeah it's deliberately so yeah you make us work Mm -hmm. it's not like we have all day off just to sit around and go home or Mm -hmm. anything like that but uh yeah it's sort of cool for one thing um
2: sometimes i know some directors of of camps and retreats sort of have visions of how they want it to be and they dictate what people the part they're going to play in it and my sense has always been if you can encourage people to do and teach whatever they are most excited and passionate about in Mm -hmm. the moment then you're going to get exactly the best that they can deliver and so we have people you know float and you know blurbs on four because you teach four classes and an extra one in case it doesn't work out and levels and such. We almost all always are able to choose their, their top four, but you know, occasionally have to flop one out. But as a real result, people love it. And, and nobody feels like they're being made to do something they don't want to do, yeah, which, yeah. you know, that's not why anybody has this. <laughs> right. Have
0: you asked us for class descriptions yet?
2: Uh, no. Not, right this minute I have. Would you get those two minutes <laughs> oh. just as soon as you can? <laughs> yeah, <it> seems <laughs> like it's probably time to do that. Yeah, yeah it is. Actually, I have asked Lorinda. She asked the same question. I said, "As a matter of fact, <laughs> this yeah, is the way it a goes." Time, yeah. yeah,
0: So that was also where you and I were just goofing around, practicing, in the out in the in the park, and kind of ended up riffing on uh, my Sharona.
1: Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: right. I do
2: recall that. I think so we I got have... that. Did we get it on video? I think it, is that online. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's possible.
1: The, that was when we were we were contemplating if we were going to do that in the in the concert, and we discovered there's some surprisingly dirty lyrics to yeah, my you
2: don't, Sharona. Yeah, you don't oh. want to listen closely. You, you just mumble it. We changed them. Yeah, we <laughs> just did. Just changed them?
0: Yeah. yeah, we changed them and the lyrics had something in them. I think I better stop. Better get out of this. <laughs> something about this song right now. We just stopped. <laughs> but we wouldn't have done that. and So this is another example of what you know, fun things happen when you sit around with a group of friends and you have tell stories and everybody makes little jokes and stuff. That was kind of like me and Aaron. We were just practicing and it was sort of just a little musical joke. But there was someone who works for the park. Do you remember that?
1: Right, yeah. I don't
0: remember if it was a man or a woman. So I believe it was, it was, a, was woman. a woman. Yeah. I think it was a woman yeah. who was listening was like, she didn't know anything about dulcimers. And she said... Is this the kind of stuff? Remember some conversation like that? Right. She said, yeah. that's really cool. I'd hey, like to see that. If you yeah. can
1: do this on Dulcimer, yeah. come me in.
2: <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, if we could switch gears just a little bit on the topic of laid-back festivals. I just came from uh, teaching for a week at the John C. Campbell Folk School, the, uh, the Dulcimer Celebration Week that Anne Lowe hosts there. And it's mountain and hammered. And David, I'm 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 really glad you're here. Well, because I miss you. <laughs> yeah, we don't see each other enough. Yeah, I know we don't see each other very much. And for those of you that, that don't know, David built the dulcimer that I've been the main dulcimer I've been playing on now for the past ten years mm-hmm. as a prototype. Yeah, out of scrap wood. Right? <laughs>
2: yeah, we hate to talk about that okay, part, but
1: <laughs> but uh, but David, you play mountain and hammered dulcimer. Yeah, and um. Which one was your
2: first? Um, Mountain Dulcimer was first.
1: Okay, but you've built hammered dulcimers. Yeah, I built uh, quite a
2: few early on. back in the 70s. Cool.
1: So I know we've talked about, uh, in the past, and Dan, I know we've talked about this as well, uh, which which one is easier. Mm. Um, And David, I think the point that you made to me uh, years ago now when this came up uh, was hammer dulcimer by default is more of a commitment in mm-hmm. that it's bigger and it takes more time to tune. Right. Um but one of the things that happened at John C Campbell was we were uh each afternoon we had to each instructor worked with the entire camp, both mountain and hammer dulcimer to teach them something. And uh and I was a, a few a few things stuck out to me uh, pretty quickly. One, the hammer dulcimer players didn't seem as tied to the sheet music in front of them as uh, as the mountain dulcimer players. It's I hard noticed. to look at it while you're playing. Yeah, <laughs> and someone said that that's that's out of necessity. Um, that it's really hard to look at a piece of sheet music and then uh, and then look back at uh, mm-hmm. the strings in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had this really. It, Interesting conversation with a fellow there who started off playing mountain dulcimer and then started playing hammer dulcimer, and he said, for some reason, he had the hardest time playing uh, mountain dulcimer and memorizing music. Hmm. he said, for some reason, when he started playing hammer dulcimer, everything was so much easier to memorize for him. Uh,
2: I do think the patterns are really clear on hammer dulcimer. Yeah, you know the scale patterns. And the way they move around the instrument and such, I can see how that because I'm an illiterate musician, so I don't think of notes while I'm playing. I'm, you know, particularly in the hammer dulcimer, I've learned everything by ear and don't really use tab very much. But um, so what I tend to memorize is the pattern, you know, the shape of the chords and their relationship to each other, and the, you know. Where you're moving around, and I, and and particularly if you're playing fiddle tunes or, or just linear uh, mm-hmm. melodies on on the first string, that like a lot of beginners are, those can all look alike. You know, it's harder to see those patterns because they're just jumping, sort of linearly, not like L's and X's and crosses. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because uh, I do superimpose triangles and different sort of <laughs> shapes onto the hammer dulcimer, and I don't think that way on the dulcimer. Okay. You know. Yeah. I can see how that would be easier for some people anyway.
1: Yeah. I was also, I was wondering if it had anything to do with speed. That to me, the the hammer dulcimer seems like it's kind of a, like it can be a speed machine. Well, that's, uh, that is
2: the, one of the glories of it, you know, as any player knows is that, you know, because it's a two handed instrument, you're always playing at half the speed that the sound, the song is delivering at if you're doing hand over hand melody. And so, you know, unlike having to strum or, you know with with two hands producing one note, so you know mm-hmm. you do devil's dream really fast and pull one hand out, and the one hand is just sort of doing you know it's and uh yeah so there's an illusion of speed uh well, it's actually real speed, I guess, but it, your hands aren't having to move that fast so
1: okay, I was wondering because um. One of the things I hear a lot in in the mountain dulcimer world when it comes to jamming with uh hammer dulcimer players is that uh well they tend to wanna to play fast. They tend to wanna to play mm. faster than, than we can keep up with. Well um, that would
2: show why they could. Well <laughs> physically it, it'd be easier for them to play a melody faster than a dulcimer player.
1: I was wondering could. if it was kinda of like um uh, the piano technique, and I, I've never played piano. Uh, I don't have that background at all. So Dan, you might know better than I. But uh, I was reading some practice techniques for piano, and uh, one teacher was talking about the benefits of hands separately, mm-hmm. and in terms of memorization, and that the quicker that you can get a piece up to speed, the quicker you can memorize it, because essentially, you're what you're memorizing is phrases you're grabbing chunks of a tune Mm -hmm. and below a certain speed that's going into what she referred to as real memory uh Mm. if you can think in between each note Mm. uh played that slowly and that's where memorization is a lot more difficult
2: Mm. interesting that makes some sense
1: and dan I'm wondering what you
0: think. I want to hear you because talk some he, more. Because you've been... Oh, well, thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, I just want to hear you talk some more. There's just so many theories on this stuff. Yeah, I you know? know. And I'm I'm awash with them. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and yeah. I'm sure people who've had classes for me are like, okay, that's enough just talk about the brain. But I think this is kind of all about the brain. No, yeah. And... <clears throat> Well, you, uh, the, the conversations are generally about trying to figure it out. Yes, not about trying to say this is how it is. I exactly. mean, everything's about the brain. Fairness. <laughs> <In> all fairness. <laughs> well, yes and no, because like, there are. I mean, you're right. I play from my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and there, were, there was a
2: lot in the universe before brains came along. So. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it was not all about the brains then.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right. Because I'm about that brain. There is, <laughs> brain, there is something brain. like yeah. a brain within the gut as well. Uh huh. There is. I mean, yeah. b- because I, I, the stomach can. Guess we just ate cheese. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> See? There's definitely something within the gut. Right. <laughs> the, the stomach can. Force the brain in into you know patterns of fear or satisfaction or you know so there there are other parts the stomach is the stomach is more than just a receptor. I guess I'm saying that to say like that in the language of thinking with your gut isn't modern no it's been around for a long Absolutely. time, mm-hmm. yeah, and so guts develop before brains do generally if we're looking at on the evolutionary scale you know yeah there are things that are basically just a big gut that appears to make decisions about i like the taste of this i don't like the taste of that and all that kind of stuff so it's not all that and and what makes the reason i'm bringing that up is not to try to say, look at this thing i kind of sort of know and trying to make myself sound smart but can't really tell you what the technical names are <laughs> <laughs> because i know that comes across all the time when i speak it's because it's an exploration. Of muscle memory,
1: I think your gut is making you insecure right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I not, wonder
0: about <laughs> muscle memory, right? In, I find yeah, I mm-hmm.
2: find muscle memory f- fascinating and interesting, but I think that um, music has a language and 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 chunks of meaning, if you can uh, imagine that. Um, you know, if you if you try to memorize a list of random words, that's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if I tried to teach you a poem and gave you a word and pause every three seconds and gave you another word and tried to get you to memorize it, that would be pretty hard, because we take it in chunks of phrases that mean something. And I think when music comes up to speed, suddenly the way the notes interrelate start to mean something, and you hear them as these chunks and phrases, and then, you know, just. Like if if you're learning mnemonic tricks, the you know the way to be able to memorize things is to combine them into chunks. If you have to remember a, a long series of numbers, of course you remember in chunks of three or four numbers, and then you your brain only has to hold a handful of things instead of twenty. That's and I think a, way. It's a that's yeah. a
0: way and that's a part of no
2: it. yeah it's a way. Um, and I'm just saying that it, it, just in support of what somebody said about once it comes up to speed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easier to, to lock in because you're now memorizing it. A, chunk. at, a in chunks. Yeah. You know? right. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's part of the I don't know if you guys ever read you gotta look it up. It's been a long time since I read this. There's a a study that was German called the Speed Paradox. And that and it deals with piano players. And some when the speed with which synapses fire in the brain, when it's studied, someone said we believe this is how fast you can have a thought and then execute the thought with your muscles. We see musicians performing things faster than that, right? And so, well, the, they
2: do that in sports. You know, it really yeah, is yeah. semi-impossible <laughs> to actually hit or falling a, hit a, off of roofs. hit a s- s- curveball. Yeah, you know, falling <laughs> off of roots.
1: Seriously, you do. Yeah. That, that's a great sport, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great day for uh, roof falling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the what it boiled down Conclusion of that thing was what you're saying, David. It's that you stop seeing it. It's the, it's also like the way we read. Mm-hmm. You stop seeing. You are a slow reader if you read word by word. Mm-hmm. We tend to read sentence by sentence. And but I would add to that when you're talking about music, and so those sentences are musical phrases mm-hmm. when we're dealing with music. But there's a factor for me that if if the emotional factor isn't there. And I don't mean it has to make me cry or mm-hmm. angry or sad or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's a this is the part that's hard to explain. That sounds like woo. Mm-hmm. Each little phrase has a personality mm-hmm. that I recognize. That personality, and even sometimes in my learning, I'm, I even give them names. Mm-hmm. You know, like and it doesn't. And it can just be like a proper noun. I mean, like that's the Bob section. I just <laughs> but that thing has a personality, and I can recall that as one distinct thing
2: and that's what i say when i'm saying that it has meaning like language does okay you know because music is in many ways an expression of uh, emotional you know emotion itself because it can cross language barriers and play music and suddenly people feel certain things but i right. think any given phrase you know, why does it hang together? You know, what does it do to you? How does it affect you? That's all kind of part of your impact of what makes it whole and, and unique in itself. And you go, oh, th- th- this phrase, and that's the reason we break them into those chunks. You don't tend to cut it in half and put it end to end with a different, you know, it, it, it'd it be like taking all the punctuation out of sentences and, and trying to make sense of what that, you know what I'm saying? That would seem yeah. nonsensical at some point. You'd go, those words don't go together. Well, on some level, notes don't either when they don't, don't, convey what you're describing and you're right it's not a, an emotion like laughing and crying it's a more of a it's a subtler thing it's, it's a, a, subtle new, thing, a nuanced yeah. thing it's
0: like if i'm walking somewhere and i know the place i want to be is on the other side of that hill at the bottom i tend to want to think of that musical phrase if it's going up and it's coming back down again or if it was one that's going down mm. and coming back up again mm-hmm. because so, I, topography it's a, yeah it's yeah. topographical yeah because i sort of know what it's like to get to this place and mm-hmm. so I just think our, we're making associations with things that we recognize. And so maybe if I've never surfed in my life, I would mm-hmm. not know how to begin to do that. But I bet if I was a surfer, I would be comparing music to surfing.
2: Could very well be. You know,
0: And so I'm a, I'm a musician and I've done a lot of biking and photography. And so those are the things that I'm like, well, clearly music's like photography. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> yeah, clearly. But for somebody else, it's something else. It's whatever the associations that you have. My, that's what I think, but that yeah. might just be nonsense.
1: Yeah. That doesn't sound like woo at all. No. maybe, maybe this is a little bit different, but I, um, whenever I would hear someone say, uh, I have a, I have a real hard time memorizing music. Um, but they could recall lyrics to songs so that, that they liked, even if they were relatively recent, I was always a little bit skeptical, uh, that maybe they weren't playing music that really spoke to them or mm-hmm. hit them on some level that might not be true. But I, I thought that on, only because the, I know the stuff that uh, that I would play that really spoke to me is what I would hear in my head, like on repeat while I was going on a walk. Hmm. And kind of goes back to what I know we've said on here before. Some of the most important practicing happens when you're not on your instrument mm-hmm. at all. But I felt like having that loop <laughs> even away from the instrument uh, going in my head was sort of what helped solidify
2: mm-hmm. Uh you know, I started off my musical thing from songwriting and poetry and, you know, kind of the Dylanish days okay. and such. And so, and I branched there and it was the Hammer dulcimer actually primarily that brought me into, you know, just raw melodies. It was Irish melodies to start with Turlock O'Carolin and, and some of the, the fiddle tunes and such. But I remember the moment um, when I had learned a tune so thoroughly and integrated it so that it started on a walk you know, floating through my head, you know, and it, and because I, I associated strong melody memory with the narrative and it always was the lyrics that went through my head. And to just have the melody floating in my head was really a lovely, the first mm-hmm. experience. It's like, oh, you know, it was Morgan Megan or something like that. Yeah. And Megan Morgan, it was like, suddenly this tune is in my head. And I thought, what a great thing to have, you know, and then it's yours forever, you know. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe not forever. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but uh, you know, you own it in a way. That's uh, that's you know, I I, I try to encourage like people to to get paper on paper trained, you know, and at least uh, memorize something that you love, even if they're used to playing off of paper.
0: So, not I'm not disparaging that mm-hmm. because I I have the I've had the same experience in different ways. As a matter of fact, as you were telling that story. I saw myself in a place where a song was running through my head because that also happens. Mm -hmm. It it might remind you of of something and that's also part of that association that Mm -hmm. we're talking about. But having... I've brought up this guy before and I never say his name, but I knew a young musician who was just brilliant and had no emotion whatsoever. And he Mm -hmm. had no association and he said, no, a song would never run through my head. He, you know, Mm -hmm. and he just... He would... and, And I guess...
2: He was just technically proficient.
0: Maybe a, a bit servant-ish. Uh-huh. And I think all of these things happen on spectrums. Uh-huh. And you're on a spectrum somewhere, Aaron O'Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. And it has its it's, It's benefit.
1: funny. It's a little bit like, I feel like I'm aware enough to know you're saying... You're a socially awkward dude. <laughs> but, <laughs> Not but that I spectrum. Still, but I
0: still, I'm sitting here going, I don't know in what way. <laughs> Understand what we're saying here, David? Yeah. No, my, like, <laughs> my, seriously, my point is this guy reminds me of you without the social awkwardness because you aren't socially awkward and you are emotional. And I've seen it, you know, and I've known you long enough now that I've actually seen you kind of grow and control the motions in a different way. And maybe some ways Mm -hmm. that you've been hurt get healed just because of time, you know, Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff goes on. And it's all real. Uh, I just think we have to be a little careful sometimes when we tell the story of how we see something, of having people try then to go where we've told them the way it is. Mm -hmm. Because it's Mm -hmm. going to be different for them. Mm -hmm. And they've got to somehow experience the music and for some people that if all they've ever done has been connected to the music going back to where you started
2: you mean the paper? connected
0: to the paper Right. right connected to the paper it doesn't relate to i don't do that's not how i work but i could totally see that connection to the paper being part of that relation does that make sense? Sure. No. Yeah, I yeah. see. And I I, I wish I had to see that. And <laughs> I and
2: I and I don't mean and I probably do come across as disparaging it sometimes. I mean, even the joke about paper being paper trained is um, <laughs> sort of it, you know laughs in that direction. Um, I think anything that helps people find music in them and bring it out is is, is glorious and a good thing, unless it's hitting sure. people with sticks. Yeah. That. Well. If the, if they were in tune, you know, like a, like a, you know, <laughs> <a> silent time, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then it might be different. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Um, that, that is not an endorsement for uh, no, no, mu- we, we, musical or pitch related torture. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. I'm glad we did that disclaimer
2: because yeah, you know we were going to get letters otherwise. Right.
0: Yeah. It's not waterboarding. It's a water child.
1: <laughs> it's a water child. <laughs>
2: But the, I still I still make a case for, uh, and it started with me saying, and I felt like I now have this song in my head and my heart that is there whenever I want it. Um, He's at heart, Eric. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and if I. If I was on a desert island, I say sometimes, you know, and, uh, but I don't have my paper and I don't have, you know, I sure wish I could play some tunes, but I left, you know, I'm here without my paper. Whereas if you've memorized even one song, it's yours and uh, to sing or, you know, fashion the dulcimer out of coconuts and begin to play.
1: I think they make yeah. a percussion instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so, how is that coconut dulcimer? Going? <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm still working on it. It's uh, yeah. it's not there yet.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so, I would, in this hypothetical, which can go anywhere we wanted to, I would say that person that has always been tied to the paper, in that on that desert island, had built up enough skills that they would probably be okay. Hmm. That if they were really tied to the paper and they didn't have an opportunity for paper anymore, they either start, they might draw it in the sand. But I suspect, you know, if they're really into music and it really gave them some joy to make melodies come out of something, Mm -hmm. that they'd get untied. (laughs) I'll vote for that. Hypothetically. They'd become untied, probably. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Whereas, (laughs) I don't know, maybe I could if all of a sudden I was in a situation where I'm locked in a library for the rest of my life and I have no instrument to play and the library is filled with nothing but scores, Hmm. cheap music. I don't know that I could get those things to play in my head.
2: I don't think so either. I would probably end up making paper airplanes or something.
1: (laughs) 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 Well... I don't disagree with what you said it's but, hypothetical anyway yeah um one thing that that i do go back to david i've used this analogy of yours a few times when uh i believe and i, I might be horribly misquoting you <laughs> and so i'm really sorry because <laughs> <In laughs> I've, been, I've been crediting you and if this misrepresents you my bad <laughs> but uh i think you said something about tab one time where you said, you know, it's, it's really nice to have as a, as a, as a road map or any kind of map, but if you're in the woods for a hike, you're probably going to want to look up from your map every once in a while and mm-hmm. take it in. Yeah. Right.
2: That, that's more or less what I've said. Yeah. 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 Map and territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And music is a deep and wonderful territory and it's nice to look right. around while you're there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And going to one of the things that I've, I've heard, uh, I know I bring them up all the time on here one of my musical heroes Chris Theely say was um uh generally that if someone's tied to either having to look at their instrument or look at uh music in front of them it's hard to bring a sensitivity uh and communicate hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do my best Aaron Aaron a rock impression
2: uh, I don't disagree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just,
0: well, you put the word generally in front of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to. I didn't put it there. Oh. Chris did. Chris did. I, I can generally think that's probably generally true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's double qualified. But I think there are people. That's my point. Is well, sure. and, and I could be wrong because this isn't my experience. I'm not a reader. I mm-hmm. use sheet music as a road map to help me memorize something exactly. and get that thing out of my face as quickly as possible. So mm-hmm. I can listen to the music because right. I'm not listening well when I'm playing. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've, you know, I've been to enough classical music concerts and seen enough people play things that are people who can just sit down and put something in front of them mm-hmm. and it's very pull the emotion out of it. Yeah. Very and, and I should, I should say this, come back
1: with another qualifier. I believe the context he was speaking in was specifically an improvisation in an ensemble yeah. kind of setting. That's about yeah, listening. Which is, which mm-hmm. is different. Yep, yeah. I agree completely. Yeah. Okay.
2: You know, that the whole thing, the d- distinction between the experience of playing off of sheet music and, and the experience of playing um, by ear. Um, we had a fiddler, uh, her name was Safia, uh, Safia Khan, I think, back uh, in the late 70s, a little trio, um, Irish music mostly, but most of us didn't read. Um, and she did. So we had O'Neill's book of Irish tunes, and we just flapped that thing open. And she was a trained violinist. And she, we'd say, Sophia, play this for us. And she would flip through there, and she was very good at pulling it off the page. And we could just say, oh, that's nice. Next next one. And then she'd hit one and go, oh, that is cool. Play that one again. <laughs> and then she'd play it. We'd pick it up. And she'd close the book. And she said, now teach it to me. She mm-hmm. was YouTube. She, she was YouTube for but you. But see, it was like reading a poem out loud. Yeah. She hadn't she had memorized it. She read it and then she had to memorize it you know it's like it was two different parts of her brain it's like you guys know it now i don't know it i only played it <laughs> you know it was interesting because we learned it from her but not really we learned it from the page being interpreted through her you know and then she had to learn it from us it was interesting little parts of the brain <laughs> yeah, yeah i think so it was a, it was a fun sort of when we saw this process we were going through <laughs> it was a, did
0: she know enough about had she listened to enough irish music that it sounded that irish when she played it
2: um my caveat on that is that I was awfully young and I was playing Irish music and I, uh, I don't know how much I listened or how much I really knew about Irish music. I just loved <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that was before I'd gone to Ireland. I went to Ireland in the early 80s. So uh, who's to know? We loved it. <laughs>
0: Going to Ireland makes you understand Irish music, like walking into McDonald's makes you a hamburger <laughs> I'm not saying I understood right. it, but I understood what I didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that, oh. a lot. It, that is a, that's a step, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's like, okay, I don't know as much about this as I did when I first started. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh.
2: Well, we went to the Flock Yole, and they were teaching all kinds of – instrumental music and also dance and vocal stuff and we took classes and and i was in this penny whistle class and there were these kids that were oh i don't know five six seven they were so awesome already (laughs) their fingers were like little hummingbirds wings i was Mm. like oh (laughs) (laughs) they will go home and practice (laughs) it was very humbling
0: before while we're just miling the subject of irish music and this may Mm. be of interest to no one else who's listening to the podcast Played with Randy Klepper yesterday uh, at a local gig, the Grand Falloon in Chattanooga. And a local uh, flute player came in, Ken Doyle. Have you come across him in Chattanooga yet? No. That's got to happen. Okay. He was really, really good. Cool. And does the Irish sessions and stuff all the time. And I... The thing that you guys started talking about and how you can play stuff fast, there are some things that you play just because they're fast and you've played them enough that it makes people excited and and you're Mm -hmm. trying to sell CDs and all that. That might not even really mean much to you musically anymore, but Mm -hmm. you've done it enough that it's, all right, I'll tie this back into sheet. It's almost as if you're reading it from sheet music and you really aren't Mm -hmm. emotionally attached to Mm -hmm. it anymore. Mm -hmm. You can get to a place, maybe you shouldn't. But you got to think that when Leonard Skinner was playing Freebird, well you're you know, you're talking
2: <laughs> performing a dynamics now and managing your state of mind while yeah. you're trying to deliver something freshly that you or yourself have, you know, yeah. played Yeah. Sometimes you times. do a better job, sometimes you don't. Right. So in
0: this case, we were doing stuff where we and Randy plays a lot of Irish and Ken Doyle this the flute player shows up who plays almost exclusively Irish as far as I know. Oh. And the feel of the whole gig changed. It was so cool. So I played all the Bowerin and played some hammered ulcimer pieces. But I noticed when we played, I'm trying to think what the song was. It was something simple. Uh, Ships are sailing. At the beginning of it, I thought, well, you know, I usually play this in kind of a swing sort of way. Yeah. And it may not work here, but Randy didn't know it. And so we were just trying to put a set together, pick two or three things. And I said, well, let's just kind of do this and I'll just do this funky thing. And, Ken Doyle jumped into the way that I generally play it and it was fast man it was so fast i was really thinking about playing it at half speed you know and it just it just worked i guess is what i'm getting hmm. at hmm. It's this, I, I was able to keep up with him but he turned what to me was more like a novelty sort hmm. of thing yes into this driving irish piece was because,
1: it was it less swung
0: because you were uh, playing at that speed, yeah, yeah. This, this, uh, swing. Pretty much, it was like. Uh, I was faster than that. Was Probably faster oh, wow. than that because I remember trying to get the turns and stuff in that I usually <laughs> play and something like that. It was like. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. None of the well, space. Well, isn't there something
2: also interesting about uh, playing out near the edge of your comf- comfort zone where well, you still have,
0: you're hanging on and you're hanging in there and you're going, so far, so good. <laughs> well, I did something that I've learned from this podcast is as I got to difficult passages the first few times across them, I just left out every other note. Oh. It, yeah. Or if there was even a passage, I was like, I'm going to nail this passage this time and then just play a couple notes out of the next passage. Oh, and I totally got that from listening to you and huh. Steve. You're able oh, to regroup, really? sort of. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and so I kind of learned the songs as it was, it was, it's it was going, going along. along. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice. So anyway, that's kind of a bit of a aside. I also but. have
2: a sense that when you move to speed, we were and kind of going back to how you started this whole conversation, um, muscle memory. I'm talking about you know. different different forms of memory it's like you have to stop thinking at some point when you move to speed you've got to trust somewhat your muscle memory Um, and I felt the strongest uh, connection to really feel muscle memory when I have forgotten the song that I remember I used to play and I go to try to play it again and my brain is just going it went something like this It, it was and you can feel your fingers going just quiet down stop thinking we know this you know, we can. If you just let go, we can take this it, over. You know, I have sure to enough, speed it up. But, then yes, in order for that to
0: happen. Yeah, yeah. If I try to do it slowly and think about the notes. No, are,
2: you're back. then you're giving all kinds of uh, the wrong instructions to yourself and <laughs> <They're> going <laughs> out of the way, which you we know this. It's in our. Know, yeah. It's in your muscles. It was before. It still is. Just give it a break. Yeah, it's a great feeling, and then it kicks in, and you go, "You're right. I do know this. I got <laughs> it's still it. there. Yeah. I got it. Yeah.
0: You. In my experience I'm not playing as, as well as I think I am
2: though. <laughs> oh no. Well that's that's the external viewer, so I'm just talking about the internal experience. It's like, I've got this. And then after a while, once you
0: really start to get it, you go, hmm, that was pretty that that kinda of didn't work really. <laughs> yeah.
1: One of the things that is uh that I know has kind of changed that for me after realizing, uh, when I started teaching and trying to slow everything down that like, wow, this is this is really different. But um on Patreon, whenever I release a new MP3, I listen to it at half speed and transcribe it, Ooh. note for note. And it's it's painful, a little bit, uh-huh. but listening to yourself at half speed. Um, everything pops out at you, <laughs> and it's pretty unforgiving. But what I've started doing is then playing it back um, at that speed. And I found it's really... It's made teaching some of these complicated uh, concepts much simpler or a lot easier to execute at a slower speed, but also be able to articulate the changes that are
0: going to happen mechanically when you mm-hmm. speed it up. So well, I would I would say that what you're doing is learning a second song at that point.
2: Hmm. When you're, pl- when you're learning the, the, the slow version?
0: <laughs> yeah. It- uh, why is that? Well, you're you're doing that thing. You're talking about the person who's on the island who doesn't have, you know, who mm-hmm. has the knowledge. Who's always played it. They've got a lot of knowledge. So you have a lot of knowledge about this song. Mm-hmm. But I think it takes a complete. Different set of muscle movements to play something at half speed,
1: right? But that's not that's not necessarily learning a different song. And I think it has it has a real purpose, even when you are playing it up to speed, especially in your in performance, when you're capable of uh, when the adrenaline's going, the blood's going, and you're capable of actually having more thoughts in between every open space. Sure, and they're reinforcing
0: uh, each other. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, by different, I guess that was wrong. But I think you are learning a new yeah. set of let me say this a different way. One of the reasons I think that's a really good thing that you're doing is because sometimes it is hard to teach. Right. If you uh-huh. haven't taken oh, time yeah. to do that. That's right, what's right. so hard. Yeah.
2: Well, and what I've seen you do, and you do it too, uh, I think any teacher when they you know dive into the depths of having to break something down into small bits and teach what's happening, to know the piece well enough to play it slowly and then narrate whats what you're doing and what you're about to do and watch this part um, – you have to overlearn something to be able to do that because suddenly you're you're really multitasking, really lose, using different parts of your brain at the same time. You yeah, know, communicating yeah. verbally while you're maintaining a rhythm and you're playing something at half speed, which doesn't is then not as sensible. You know, you don't have the chunks that make you know phrase sense. As going back to the beginning, but mm-hmm. you're still doing it, and you're you know pointing out the topography of the song yeah. as you're as you're instructing it, which is yeah. great. And and uh, you know, it's something I've. You know, I've done some teaching myself, but it was a long time before I discovered it. Uh, and it, I didn't discover it. I actually saw some other, other folks doing it and going, oh, yeah, I should learn to do that better. <laughs>
0: you know? When you're at that place that you were talking about, though, earlier, David, where, you know, like, ah, I remember the song. I don't remember the song. I remember it. And then you just like you chill out and you just remember enough to get your hands moving and then your hands can play it. Mm-hmm. That feels like. That happens often when you're hanging out with somebody and you're trying to come up with stuff, and Mm -hmm. then you want to teach it to them. Mm. You're ill-equipped to do that at that moment. You're you're very (laughs) ill-equipped. Once upon a time, you had it. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Slow it down. It's like "Mm." you might teach. Maybe that's how variations get started. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) My variations on a theme. I couldn't
2: remember exactly how it went.
0: Right. So Johnson Campbell. Yep. John C. Campbell trying to pull some people hooked to the sheet. Some people not hooked to the sheet.
1: Well, my main fascination was really the, the difference between learning mountain and hammer dulcimer. Um, uh, and talking to, uh, the, the fellow that I mentioned earlier, um, who had an interesting or just an easier time memorizing on, on hammer dulcimer. And, uh, and some of the things that we talked about, David, that I think you mentioned, uh, earlier with, with hammer dulcimer, both hands essentially, even though they might have different tasks, they're executing notes with the this, with this similar attack. Right. Basically, where that's not the case on, on mountain dulcimer. <laughs> I would say, ha!
0: Ah, rarely do I see that, but that's a great idea. The <laughs> similar attack part? <laughs> uh, yeah, from, on both hands. Generally, it's one about 30% louder than the other. Mm hmm. No, but you've got
1: hammers in both hands. Is the idea? You're not fretting with one hand and using a pick in the other.
0: Right. I'm sure that's true, but I don't think what you're saying is the same, though. Okay. Because those people spend most people spend their lives eating with one hand, you know, and and, or or holding a fork in one hand and a knife in the other, Uh which is like fretting and and strumming, in a sense. What they haven't done is done many things in their life where both of their hands are supposed to do the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I can see how that would be difficult to translate in a technical sense in terms of execution, but in terms of memorization, I can see that
0: as being a lot simpler. Hmm. I don't know, Aaron. I've mm-hmm. just seen this black hole open up in people's thinking when you try to get them to work on their weaker hand. Mm-hmm. It's as if the the synapses are not there. So I had I had this coworker. Um
1: back when when I was working for the legal publication and uh um he was he, he was a pretty amazing fellow. Like he would uh he would wake up early and uh go to the gym, lift weights, ride his bike to work. He would eat lunch early at his desk so that when the afternoon came around he would ride his bike to the pool and swim laps wow. ride his bike back and then ride home after work and wow. go jogging or some <laughs> something cr- like every and uh, and his his work was really like everything had a purpose and um and sometimes i had to use his computer and i noticed one day after uh, working at his workstation a, a number of times i came in and the mouse was on the left side and I was like, hey, David, I, I didn't realize that you were left-handed. And he goes just totally straight-faced, oh, I'm not. I want my left hand to have a purpose. And he looked at me like, why don't you get this? I'm, I love this guy. <laughs> I was going to say, he's, he would be your hero. <laughs> I love
0: that guy, yeah. Have <laughs> a purpose. I love it, too. Okay. It's cute. I'm going to beat this dead horse more than I should. Sure. <laughs> poor horse, <laughs> <laughs> poor riders. It's it's. I I I know you're not simplifying. You know, like, so the hammerdill's were therefore is easy because of this. No, oh, not, no, he's I'm, not. He was not I'm giving you that. That at all. I'm giving you that. Yeah. But I I think.
1: Actually, okay. I, I know you are giving me that, but just to make it abundantly clear, <laughs> okay. and, and to make sure this horse is dead, um, <laughs> um, no, because I am trying to learn hammer dulcimer right now as well. And actually, at John C. Campbell, I think I, I told you, I every night that we jammed, I was jamming on Which hammer cool. on hammer dulcimer, this. and so yeah, it's um, I see the the difficulties in it, and I and David like we talked before i think uh um i can see how it is certain physical aspects of the instrument just require more of a commitment up Mm -hmm. front from carrying it to tuning it Mm -hmm. you're kind of invested by the time you've got it set up um uh mountain dulcimer i mean your expectations for tuning are a little higher because you've only got three of them three three things (laughs) three or four to, to manage But no, so I had a great time jamming on it, but it by no means came naturally to me. And I think from picking up, uh, the mountain dulcimer, um, I feel like I was able to make some pleasing sounds on it in a musical sense in time pretty quickly. Um, with hammer dulcimer, I didn't feel like that immediately Mm -hmm. at, at all, um, for reasons that you mentioned, Dan, my weaker hand just didn't feel competent enough to execute in a musical way with any kind of rhythm or consistency in attack. So I want to
0: add to that, though. Oh, go ahead.
1: So just finishing qualification. Having, said, having <laughs> said that, and that's just in the nuttiest of nutshell.s yeah. Um, I yeah. I'm not saying that hammer dulcimer is easier by any means, except I can see how it would have in the same way that every instrument has certain advantages and disadvantages, yeah. Yeah. I can see how Hammer Dulcimer lends itself to playing certain things faster. Um than yeah. on than on Mountain Dulcimer.
0: Trigger's still dead and I still have the stick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: And when we talk about speed, I think from uh from the experiences from the bit that I've read of various piano teachers um, in associating speed with memorization. Not saying that the faster you play it, necessarily, that you have to get this up to breakneck speed in order to memorize it, but when you're not thinking in between each note and you're grabbing phrases, that that helps muscle memory, that helps in the memorization process. And I think that Mountain Dulcimer is at a bit more of a disadvantage with that. I think it's a Here's harder... Here's why I disagree. Okay. Okay. <laughs> maybe.
0: I don't know if I disagree. And and maybe you're not overlooking this. The My pushback here isn't so much about the weaker hand being able to do what the stronger hand does. Okay. It has to do that we become so hand-dependent that we tend to feel, when you play Mountain Dulcimer, m- almost... Every maybe. I don't know that I've ever I've seen maybe a handful of people that would be playing it with the strings put on backwards, so they're playing it left handed. Okay, okay, you're getting to feel the basic pulse with your strong hand if you're right handed all the time, and so you're constantly reinforcing the sense of rhythm with your strong hand with the hammer dulcimer. Sometimes mid phrase. You have to switch sides, and that is an absolute side of the brain kind of thing that has to happen. What mm-hmm. I like about the mountain dulcimer as far as the, what when you get to learn it, you get to make the left hand that's doing the fretting become an expert in this technique and it does that technique all the time. It never switches over and becomes the right hand. Have you ever gotten a um,
2: chance to play on a left handed dulcimer, Aaron, and see oh, yeah. what yeah? Yeah. I have to It's it's a a, a bit humbling. Yeah. I, suddenly, you talk about beginner's mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> going because I, I know exactly what my hands should be doing. Yeah, yeah, Even you understand it. I understand you, it. It's not like a, it's a lack of knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, a lack I, of. I stuck a little muscle. thing on
0: Facebook the other day about a, a little kind of practice meditation time that I was having, mm-hmm. where I was playing. Do this with your hands, guys. Ready? Well, the, I, I don't want to stray from that too far because I. I think
1: of something. Okay. In particular, there is a time uh, where well,
0: there's uh, an exception.
1: But- well, if, if the equivalent to like a like a left hand pizzicato, as it's referred to often on on classical instruments, sure. um, the same can be done. And I've been working on this on on mountain dulcimer, uh, keeping a tremolo on one string while doing a left hand pizzicato on another. So you have this drone going with a melody underneath. Um, and I don't. Think that uh, by this, I haven't felt anyway. Um, that uh, well, let me let me rephrase that. I don't know how to say what I'm saying right now. So yeah, <laughs> go ahead and keep going. Scratch that entirely. <laughs> no,
0: maybe maybe it'll but, come clear. To yeah, you. Uh, try this for me. Okay, just take your hands. Right hand on your right leg. Your left hand on your left leg. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play right, right, left, left. Okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to play right. Finish it with a right. Here we go. Right, right, left, left, right. Okay. Let's do it again. Now let's play it like this. How many beats is that? Five. Five, yeah. yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Now we want to do five again. But it's gonna to have to switch over to the left hand. Mm-hmm. So try to do those back to back. Right, right, left, left, right, left, left, right, right, left. But you're <laughs> talking you're talking about playing in five. Talking so about playing in
1: five. Yes. <laughs> That's Okay. You're jumping into another
0: yeah. domain. Oh, when you ta- okay. no, 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 let me finish. Let me, okay. I'm getting some... weak. Okay. You're trying to say that I'm going for an exception, just like I was getting you on. <laughs> I love you, but I'm going to punch you. <laughs> it's not... My point is... That's how we express ourselves. <laughs> yeah, this is our language of love. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good... Yeah. That's a good yeah. sound. That's a good uh, Foley sound. Yeah. The, uh... That wasn't us hitting each other, <laughs> This is audio. Uh... Yeah, Dan's stomach sounds great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that does cause... Cut- <laughs> oh!
0: <laughs> no, Dan really did just punch himself in the yeah, That wasn't <laughs> best, my best move. My point is, when you're playing Hammer Dulcimer, it's as if you're switching into complex meters because where the notes are sometimes force you to switch where the lead is. Mm-hmm. And that thing, that was simple, really easy for you to understand what I just asked you to do. Mm-hmm. But I think if you tried to sit here and do it, You'd start sweating. I mean, it it takes so much mental energy to shift leads if you aren't trained to shift leads that it's really like Mm -hmm. teaching two different brains to play. I guess is what I'm getting at on on your weak side. Mm -hmm. And you don't get to if you played every song right hand lead. I mean, the right hand had everything all the time. I think you know. I think that would feel easy and that was easy so you're the
2: finger, I mean, the finger picker i'm not the finger the flat picker how easy would it be for you to do those fives that he was saying changing you know
0: out out in in, and out
2: yeah like out out in in out in in out out in. that's right you know yeah back yeah. and forth like that
1: it really depends on on the context yeah. of the piece um at a certain speed in in certain contexts, depending on the pattern, what I might opt for is uh, thinking in two measure phrases and changing uh, emphasis um, to ends in certain places, um, versus making sure I'm going out in out out in out out in out or right. yeah or out in out 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 in out out out, out in
0: out. That's Yeah, a di- yeah. it's a kind of a different pattern, but it sort of doesn't matter. I guess I'm talking yeah. about one that forces you to shift it. And just so you know, I was thinking of that when I made this whole thing, thinking that if he zeroes in on that, I think it's a weakness in the argument that I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you had to reverse all well, of Well, that's patterns where I was sudden- going until
1: you told me to wait. Oh, <laughs> and you're like, no, stop, stop, stop. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want to get punched today. <laughs> No, I think there are some correlations. This but achievement get- means a lot to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Let him go. Let him do like-
0: no, but you you would still get better at it because it would be one hand that's doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's again still part of my point. So
1: in a in a basic um let's say in playing Old Joe Clark uh, or Liza Jane how often do you have those those left-hand uh, lead changes in a simple tune?
0: So people who are just learning to play the hammer dulcimer, yeah, it depends if they have figured out where the downbeats are or not. And they often haven't because they're often just starting. And so if they went right, left, 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 that would have kept it all in a right-hand lead right okay but if instead they went right left they just changed it right there one because the the downbeats it it made that downbeat fall on the left hand does that make sense so So you're looking at downbeats so right left right left right but if they went right left right
1: Left. Okay, I see I, I see what you're talking about. Um, and in terms of pick stroke theory, like the rules that, that I tend to follow mm-hmm. that I break all the time. Sure, are, which uh, said, yeah, that's right. the whole point of this conversation yeah. is you've got to learn
0: to do that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It is
1: generally for uh, for those down beats, for the numbered beats. Anyway, uh, if we're looking at something in 4, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, I'm going to play as an out. And all those and beats, I'm going to play as an in. So one thing that I've noticed, I've my tendency on hammered dulcimer is f- to do kind of the same thing. All those numbered beats I'm playing with my right hand, and all the and beats.
0: I think it's I'm generally a good idea. Generally playing with my left. Yeah. Generally a good idea. Okay. Generally a good idea. So, but sometimes <laughs> because you have to hit an accidental that doesn't occur in the diatonic mm-hmm. scale or somewhere else, that's where you don't have a choice, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. And I would also like to toss in <laughs> that the 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 five little five exercise I was doing the other day was specifically because I was thinking I need to get better at these hard patterns that Aaron makes me do when I try to (laughs) play (laughs) the songs that he's writing (laughs) because what I like about playing with you besides the fact that you're just an upstanding gentleman you, you yeah. just don't want me to argue back now. I yeah, he's smoothing out. Really, because now I'm easier.
1: thinking. I'm thinking about the Dolsmer, the Mountain Dolsmer fretboard pattern, and how that lends itself <laughs> to easier memorization, but also how it can lend itself to more difficult aspects of sure. memorization. Yeah, and yet Now we need another hour, so I'm just going to let you compliment me. In. Yeah, <laughs> yeah i yeah, Get I'm that take, over taking with. It no, I'm taking it back. Taking it back. You killed a horse. <laughs> Aaron comes to me
0: and says. He doesn't say, I mean, you are forgiving, but you would say, yeah, you can change that sometimes. But you will often come to me and say, play this. And so, therefore, he's playing something that you probably, during the course of just sitting down and playing something that feels easy on the hammer dulcimer, even though I completely understand what he's doing, is forcing me to shift left, right, shift left, right in odd places. Where even though he's playing something in four, it's almost as if I'm playing in five, then seven. Yeah, well, and that none. shows
2: yeah. up how certain things flow out of different instruments because of yeah. their structure, you know. And, and it yep. can come yeah. out in a jamming, make it up. Boy, that's a sweet lick. Here, Dan plays this. Well, it's not so yeah. sweet and easy a look on the Evercalsimer. Right, right. yeah. Actually, it's kind of a struggle to get that to. Yeah. But my yeah. goal, and yeah. I
0: sometimes feel I'm better at it than other times, is to just be able to go. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, anything you say, <laughs> boss. I'm, I'm, I'm on with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's no. all. Yeah, yeah. Poor horse. I know. <laughs> <sighs> Trigger, we miss you. <laughs> no, poor guy.
2: Well, I'm impressed that you did all that hammer dulcimer and Appalachian dulcimer stuff together. Uh, with Anne, I think that's amazing. That was a yeah, lot of fun.
1: A, yeah, the and um, it, it
2: was no problem with the volume discrepancies, or was it when they when they jammed? The mountain too loud.
1: Like they, yeah, the mountain
2: dulcimer drowning those yeah, guys out. <laughs>
1: no, no, actually, the funny thing is because I'm I'm well, usually were they the same
2: numbers, the, or was it just were there fewer hammered dulcimer the, players? There were than s-
1: done? there were slightly fewer okay. hammered, I think. Um, but yeah, more. Elite I, group, I, I was thinking. Uh, because I think I'm one of the quieter mountain dulcimer players, like on an already quiet st-
2: instrument. You do strum the aura of the string sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, you get more volume from blowing on them. <laughs> <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> but, uh, um, but I felt like I was, Dan, I was thinking of what you, you were trying to tell me uh, about throwing the hammers, and I felt like I was one of the loudest
0: uh, hammer dulcimer players
1: for the second half of each tune. Uh, this is the first half I was uh, I was like super timid in getting like the, the patterns and everything with the padded side and then I'd switch over and I'd try and throw and it was just drown actually... everybody out <laughs> <laughs> well I think I was being sensitive oh, oh good yeah. I'm so glad some of the times I was experimenting with some ac- accompaniment stuff but I wouldn't actually hit the volume until I was relatively
0: certain that I wasn't going to hit a clanger mm-hmm. but there were a few thank you for that... mentioning that though because that's an issue you when if you're trying to learn this method that I teach of super loose grip where the hammerheads are really free to come up and down, and you're trying to be tasteful, you have to have the most control, right, to be able to be able to throw the heads from the shortest distance. Mm-hmm. It's not really easy to do. You got to mm-hmm. practice at larger distances. So when you're starting out. So if you learn most of your songs as a beginner in a jam session where you're trying to not be too loud, you're also teaching yourself to grip the hammers in a way mm-hmm. that is going to prevent mm-hmm. you from ever getting to this great mm-hmm. potential for speed, yeah. which yeah. I'll make this a short lecture this time. It's not about playing the song as fast as you can. It's about right. being able to put mordents and turns and things in, which require you to double or sometimes triple the speed for brief instances. Right. And that's also a burst like you talked about mm-hmm. earlier. It's just this burst of thing. You can't do that from heavy muscles. Mm-mm. It's got to be light and quick, and right. So it's just, it just takes longer to learn the hammer dulcimer the way that I teach. And so I'm thankful to anybody who still takes classes from me because I recognize I don't get I can't teach somebody as many songs in a setting because I really want you to learn how to play the instrument and then mm-hmm. go and learn all the songs you can you know find yourself an irish reader <laughs> a person who reads <laughs> yeah, o'neills right, exactly. you know or go to youtube <laughs> now we have youtube yeah yeah that's filling it's it in. in all right well this has been a pleasure yeah. gentlemen all right well let's go eat some mexican food <laughs> oh, i think that's get, what's
1: up isn't get it? get those I, brains I, back I in I our think stomach it is. yeah <laughs> Yeah. All right, thanks
2: Yeah, thank you And thank you, David, for, for coming Oh, it's so good to be in your town It's a beautiful place Hey, what and are the dates for the, hospitality.
0: for the White Springs, not White Sands It's not November Not Stephen I'm, Foster, I, not Suwan I'm pretty
2: sure I'm going to swear by this It's November 10th and 11th At any rate, it's the Friday and Saturday of that weekend Okay And um, we are We just got an okay Though we don't know the details There's also going to be a master class available For those who want to teach it Sunday morning From something like 9 to 11 or something Okay, cool Yeah and, uh, yeah, so that would be great. Yeah, so we should we mention, that uh,
0: Aaron, that we have our next festival coming up is uh, Black Mountain.
1: Uh, I've got a few things before, before that. That's yeah, right. Where I'm, are you I'm, to? I'm flying out to Redwood Dulcimer Day in Santa oh. Cruz, California. And then I'm, I'm doing the Pick and Porch in September. and Then I've got the concert in Madisonville and workshop and uh, Bandjammer Gathering. And then Black Mountain. Yeah, wow,
0: you got a lot going on, man. Yeah, Are the, the, that'll
1: be my sixth week-long camp, wow. and I will have completed. Wow. You're yeah, you still married? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> happily. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask Nikki later. <laughs> yeah, we'll see Nikki a little later. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, I don't know if it's if it's a good idea or not. It's a little inside baseball, but we've been a little sporadic lately with uh we because i guess we for close to a year hit dulcimer geek podcast oh pretty regularly but we've been a little more sporadic lately yeah just because of travel Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. summer sure so i suspect as we get back into winter again yeah it'll settle down Mm -hmm. so look you get you get what you pay for (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. hey i got two more things i can plug yeah, for the folks in my area, uh, Heartwood Soundstage is a lovely venue that opened up. Bob and Peak and friends it's are doing it. where your area. Is. Uh, I'm sorry, that's in the Gainesville area, <laughs> um, and they we're doing uh, Janet Rucker and myself and Mark Billman on cello are going to have a, a concert evening there, and that's October 19th. Cool. And then also, you know, recently we did a Joni um, tribute concert for Joni Mitchell, yeah. and I got to be the Dulcimer guy, so I got to learn all her Dulcimer oh, cool. tunes and have these. Amazing female vocalists to back up, Maggie Rucker and various folks. Um, so that was such a big hit; it was sold out. And we did it in a certain venue. We're going to be doing it there in uh, that's uh, November eighteenth. So those two two gigs would be really lovely and and have a significant amount of Dulcimer in them. In
0: cool. case you don't know it, I'm a big fan of your work. oh, that's nice. Yeah. Appreciate that I like your singing I like your uh, writing I like your stage presence it. And playing and all that It's cool. cool
2: Likewise I'm so glad we got to connect now And we'll get to see each other In the not too distant future Because you're coming down again Yay. Great. Yeah, Yeah
1: I like you too Yeah, yeah, me me too, man. And and, and I like your dulcimers, too.
2: I'm so glad you like my dulcimers. (laughs) Enough of the bromances. You're scaring me
1: just right now. Let's punch each other.